Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey legends, welcome back to another episode of Fat Chat by Body Magic. Thank you so much to everyone that's been tuning on in regularly to the podcast and uh, really do appreciate all the support and everybody yeah, coming on in and listening to all the episodes and all the great feedback. So thank you very, very much. Uh, we've got no exception for a fantastic episode today. We're joined by John O'Hansford, who is a basketball coach, specialist basketball coach over in Melbourne. And he's worked with some of the most high profile NBL athletes, including uh, Ruben Tarangi, uh, Ben Eyre, uh, just to name a couple love the Mitch Creek plus a whole heap more and it was super insightful to get uh, all of his knowledge and exactly what he takes the boys through in terms of uh, improving their skills and their techniques and the detail and level of detail that he goes to with these guys is unbelievable uh, any young b- basketballer out there any young athlete that's uh, striving to get better and wants to really know what it takes in terms of preparation and uh, reps and time uh, that, that it really does take to improve this is the podcast for you and I can't wait for you to take away some of these great lessons that John gave. So uh, we've actually got a great giveaway that uh, we're announcing later on in the show as well. So make sure you check out that. Uh, and uh, we've been looking at the stats of the podcast as well. Something along the lines like 70% of people that are regularly tuning on in and listening to the podcast haven't yet clicked the subscribe or follow button, uh, which is pretty crazy. So uh, it really does go a long way into getting bigger and better guests and more guests on the show each and every week. And it just takes two seconds of your time if you don't mind following or subscribing. Uh, bloody love your work. Let's get into the episode with Jono. Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of Fat Chat. I am super excited to have an elite basketball skills coach with me. He's got a lazy combined million followers on TikTok, Instagram. Fuck me, what I could do with a million followers. How good. (laughs) Uh, His name is Jono Hansford. Welcome, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Mate, mate, I'm super excited to get into it uh, with you. So uh, this is the first time that we've uh, we've met. I've been uh, seeing all your clips on uh, socials pop up, I'm sure. Pretty much anybody that's got even a little bit of interest in basketball uh, in, in Australia definitely sees them. They've been going absolutely nuts. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about just a quick little um, you know, snippet about yourself and maybe some of the guys that uh, you've been working with uh, as part of you know, your, your basketball skills coaching. Well, I coach um, predominantly uh, professional athletes, but a variety of just junior athletes, do a bunch of community coaching as well and just uh, love basketball. So... Um very, very, uh, a little bit obsessive, but um, just love getting good results and seeing guys get better. That's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, you were telling me all this stuff, all this great stuff before, and I was going, mate, save it for the pod <laughs> because everybody needs to hear all this uh, all this good content that you're just spitting out. So um, let's, like, go right back, even before we get into actually the basketball coaching and the skills and how you're helping, uh, you know, all these athletes that you're working with get fantastic results. Um, let's go right back and talk a little bit about you. So, where did you grow up uh, and um, how did you get into basketball? Tell me all the early day stuff. 
I started playing a little bit later. So if, um, athletes typically start playing basketball when they're roughly sort of eight, seven years old. I started when I was probably 11 or so. So yep. Did you play you, any other sports before that? Uh, I swam. I sw- did a lot of swimming um, and like did a little bit of footy, but but once I sort of like found basketball, I committed to it. Yep. Um, and I so started when I was younger. I was quite uh, lucky in the fact that I was taller when I was younger. I'm only six foot two, but when I was like in year six, I was almost six foot. So you're right. You're you're just a little bit ahead of everyone. I was ahead of everyone. So I guess that even though I was um, older getting into the sport i think that it came a little bit more naturally because i was at an advantage of my height back then for sure uh, which is that uh, there was some um stat that i saw and it was like something like 75 percent of uh professional athletes that then go on to do you know make, make pro teams were born in like the first half of the year um which is like crazy because that like you said like the development over even like a six month period if you're a little bit ahead of some people you know, you get into the mm. teams and you de- develop a little bit more and your skills are a little bit better and physically you can um, handle the game a little bit more as well. That's crazy. I didn't know mm, that. That's yeah, awesome. it's, it's some wild stat like that. Anyway, sorry, continue. So I guess the when I – I'll sort of tell a quick story, but when I first started playing basketball, my first game, terrible. No. Like cross court, <laughs> back and forth, was shocking. Was so out of it, like was – Thought, blimey, this is uh, this isn't for me. But probably one of the best lessons I ever learned was um, the next day. My dad took me outside and just said, "Okay, you're going to make 500 with your right hand, 500 with your left hand." And we had this big wooden fence up against the the side of our sort of basketball ring, and he said, "All right, so every every hundred, you're going to do a little dash." And so, basically, every day I would do 500 my right, 500 my left, my fence would start by by the time we left that house my fence was covered with all these dashes dashes of fives but the moral of the story was that um every day i would do it so i'd get my thousand my right hand my left hand and because i was quite tall my next game all i did when these kids missed their shots i jump up and put it back up so my second game i scored roughly 20 points which sounds sounds like a lot but i was really tall but i think the really important thing i took away from that was that i learned the value of hard work and i think it's not only that i got told hey you should work hard i got told almost learnt myself, hey, if you do work hard, this is the results that you get. Yeah. Um, in school and to this and that's day. that's crazy that that was like so early on for you. It sounds like your dad had, you know, a, a big, big hand to uh, play uh, with getting in that sort of mindset and rhythm and, and you playing basketball. Yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know if it was like, I think you often get told that practice is the way to go, but I think that it's one thing to tell a kid that, but if you don't actually know why, they're just words. Yep. So I think it's really important, even if someone's in school and they're um, studying for a test, I think it's, I think wherever they get their results, uh, I think that's awesome. Um, but for myself in school, I'm very dyslexic. So when it comes to like reading and writing was not my thing. Yeah, right. So I guess that classroom wise, um, I still did all my work, but it just took me a lot longer. So I guess that when I found something that, um, I think it was a little bit more natural for me at the start. Once I started practicing, I saw results from it. Because you might, st- I might like study for tests, but I didn't do well until I had to put a ridiculous amount of work through it, which I still did. But um, I think different kids have different sort of 
measures that get them um, focused and learn how to well, work think, you, Like you said, if there's that right sort of, you know, motivation, whether it's um, intrinsic, extrinsic, mm. whatever, as long as you've got the right bit of motivation there, you can definitely get it done. But it sounds like that was obviously your little your little niche that, you, mm. you know, re- really love to do. I remember there was a uh, um, same sort of thing at school. I didn't, wasn't, I was actually, no, I was okay at school, but the motivation to do stuff at school was not there. I'd much mm-hmm. rather be doing other stuff. But uh, I think there was, like a, there was like a maths test year nine. I got like 4% for this. It was terrible. Mm. Uh, And I I always wanted Foxtel. And mum was like, oh, yeah, Um, you know, Jared, all right, this is terrible. I got sprayed for, you know, having 4% of the mass test. But if you get 90% on your next one, we'll get Foxtel. <laughs> and I went, fucking all right, let's go. <laughs> so so oh, I'm studying and I got like 98% the next day. So it just, it just shows, you know, the, as long as the uh, the motivation's there, uh, whatever that may be, it's going to be very different. For, but, uh, but you may not have learned that like, like that's why you start understanding, okay, if I actually do work hard, I do get same, exactly. some level of results. And I think that... I think that's foremost really important. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, for you growing up for juniors, was there any significant coaches uh, for you? And who did you play for as well? So I played for a few clubs. Um, when I was at when I was younger, I um, had like I was at Melbourne, so I had said Andrew Gaze as one of the senior coaches that I got to listen to. Wow, and, that's and, sick. And Warwick Giddy. So I was really lucky um, that I just I think fell into a right age group with guys, and I was around some good coaches all through high school. I had Chris Anstey, and so I had some remarkably what good high school coaches. did you go to? I went to Corfu Grammar when I was younger. Yep. Um, and they've got a basketball program also? They got a basketball program. Um and I was I was really fortunate because I got to train with the like the year twelve team since I was young. So I think that um got to be a lineup around a lot of basketball, got to see different coaches the way they coach and I guess it was um I think also being in an environment with a lot of older athletes was um, really beneficial for my development. Brings your level up. Absolutely. Yeah. And so like even now when I coach like a few junior kids that are killing it, I'll make sure that I get to put them in some older athlete groups just for them to understand the standard of what it's like to play to to be in a high environment and understand what it takes to work very hard to get certain results, I guess. Yeah, most definitely. So I think you're playing it down a little bit. It sounds like you're a fucking gun if you, okay. if you, like, if you were playing up for all the time against all these other guys. I was... Uh, I would say I was above average um, for my age group in my state, but there were there were some really really good. Victoria is kind of like the state for basketball. Yeah. Um, other states are definitely coming along these days, but ten years ago Victoria was the state for basketball. Uh, so I guess that it was really competitive, even though I was good. Um, there were sufficient athletes who were better better than me. Yeah. But it was it was really competitive. Like if you're playing in the VC, which is the top comp, um, there's maybe a hundred kids and to be in that top hundred is pretty good in general. So I was always roughly around there. So um I I did well but I think that like I'm not gonna sit here and say I was the best because there was some like phenomenal athletes growing up. Was that, it yeah, who else was in the leagues at the same time that you were? There was a variety of kids. There was hmm, who went to I think a few of them, Zach Triplett's at Melbourne right now. Yep. Um, a bunch of the guys in my age group are still in college. Yep. Um, but so a few guys that will eventually be really good, but they're still probably in those uh, developing years, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. And did you did you ever think at any point that you were going to go professional with your basketball career? I, or? I wanted to. Like I, I all through high school in the states, they look at your grades from year eight onwards, and so. And that was actually probably really. They go all the way back to year right. They look. I think year eight or year nine. They look at all your your reports. I don't know if right. they necessarily. Um, and I don't know if they necessarily make it a 
fine and average, but I think they make it a priority to look at all your reports all the way through, all the way up, um, and they want to see consistent progress. So because I was a little bit um, slower, I guess, when it comes to reading and writing, I had to make sure that because I had, oh, hey, if you do want to go to college, here is all the... I had to be on it myself, which I think was good because I think sometimes if you don't want to do something, you're not necessarily going to do it, but I sort of had to. Yeah. Um, so I was very thankful in, in that respect that I had a reason to give effort. Otherwise, I would have probably slacked or not put enough effort into it. Um, but I played at a relatively high level. Um, but in a roundabout way, I end up leaving high school a little bit earlier uh, just to work and, and help out a little bit. So I, I end up working full-time um, when people are usually... So I'm 17, working full-time, just in retail, but in the mornings and evenings... Where were you working? I was, I was doing a few different jobs. I was working at ASICS and I did some of their triathlon store stuff and yep. I loved it. Then I was a um, assistant store manager and then I was a, in the st- escape of six months and I became like an acting store manager. So like it was funny because I was managing a handful of staff that had double my age at the time. And it was a really interesting learning experience. And I probably recommend to a lot of young people if they want to... Uh, learn how to work. I think it's really good to learn how to sell and learn how to communicate with people from different age groups. So I think that was really important. I guess for myself, I was learning a lot about like how to, what it means to manage people when you need to uh, be more intense, I guess, and also let people have... Just people skills. Some yeah. yeah, so I think that there's was nothing awesome. like actually getting in and actually doing it as well. Yeah. Like you can do all the learning and all the you know courses that you like, but until you actually have that first-hand experience of doing it, it makes a massive difference for sure. So, but in the mornings and evenings, I just coach. So like I'd be up at four forty-five, writing to because I didn't, I didn't, I was still young, so I was roughly seventeen when I was doing this, and I was still writing to uh, all these all these courts and coaching for a few hours, and then writing back and. Uh, and then the evenings I coached for a few more hours, but it was, I got to the point where I was training roughly 200 kids a, a week and I loved it. Um, and I just sort of thought work was going well, but I'm like, I'm no, I wasn't going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And I thought, oh, I'll give this a crack. So I, I quit my job. And just as I quit my job, COVID relatively started after that. Unreal. Yeah. So I would have been probably six, six months or so, but um, just I'm doing something more of my private coaching, but uh, was was awesome. Um, it was a really interesting experience. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about like thinking about what you want to go do as a job or um, planning everything. But I think there's also something to be said for just taking action, mm-hmm. just doing it and almost figuring it out. And realistically, if I had all the information, I would not have opened up a facility. For sure, I didn't understand anything about planning permits i didn't understand anything about council yep. rates what it takes to build a facade i just, went, just it. Went, with, yeah, and, went with it and mind you my kind of thought to myself i'm like hey i'm 18 at the time worst thing that's going to happen i'm just going to have to figure out something else so and get back get land on my ass and start working somewhere else again so i sort of thought i can always find a job at worst if i need to yeah um so I thought I'd give it a crack and it wasn't like it wasn't crazy easy. that you've done all that so so young though like 18 that's wild to go and get your own your own space set up your own business and sort of be proactive like that it it was in hindsight and everyone was telling me not to everyone was telling me it's a really bad idea uh, and, it, and it, honestly in hindsight there are smarter ways to do it than I did uh, my dad's quite 
someone that's very much like, just go do it, you'll figure it out. Just go do it. Um, with less, probably, um, I probably needed to have some more little bit risk averse, but it was really interesting. And there was like, there was probably six, seven months just scraping through to cover bills, sleeping at the facility, up at just grinding up at 6am I when I first started I didn't have enough clients to run group sessions so I would do um, even if I had let's just say I had four athletes in an afternoon even though I could put them in a group I would do individuals so I could still be able to cover the cover the bills and make sure I got all my council rates done and um, and so like as I fill up spots I would uh, eventually make them into group sessions and that's how I slowly built that. But That's pretty much almost the same as how, it's all, uh, how it worked out for me as well. To start off with, it was like the, you know, five, I, I worked at an Anytime Fitness was my first job. Went to Anytime Fitness, 5am starts. It was like you're doing the, you know, free complimentary sessions to every new fucking person that, mm, you know, would, uh, would sign up. Oh yeah, I'll come at five. I, the amount of times I drove like, and it was nowhere near my place, like 45 minutes away, five in the morning, all the way there to have the person, you know, not rock up and then be at a random park somewhere at 6am in the morning and it's pissing down with rain and then they text you five minutes before, I'm not coming now. Like, oh, you got to do for, I think any coaching, uh, you know, a gig, it looks hell good and it is a sick job, uh, but you got to do all that hard shit to start off with. And it's really hard to stay in it, especially early days. For sure. I guess that for me, um, I think for me that I, I found by accident that the thing that served me most was serving others I guess mm-hmm. so I think that everyone has like bits and pieces that fulfill them for myself I I've never felt more fulfilled than I see others succeed and I I love the process of learning how can I how can I not necessarily coach one way but how can I learn how they learn and adapt my style to them for sure. I think it's I think it's really easy for a lot of coaches to get in the habit of coaching the only way they want to coach. And if the kid can't or the athlete can't feed it in, he's the problem. Where realistically it takes some level of self-accountability and like what am I doing here that I can't get results? I think I've had a few times where I've had a few really good athletes and I'm doing this session and I'm thinking, blimey, I can't. I'm like, I'm not breaking through. And I, and I, I know the answer to the issue we're having and I was, it was one session, it was a, quite a good NBL player I was coaching. I'm thinking, bloody hell, I can't, I can't, what am I doing wrong here? Because I'm, I'm showing him what's going wrong, um, but I couldn't fix it. And I thought, Jonah, I've just got to, and I, I film all my sessions. So I film all my professional sessions, not for social media, that's not, that would happen by accident. I film all my sessions to be able to show my athletes what they're doing. Yeah. But I... Which is pretty common for like, you know, lots of basketball coaching stuff. You, you do so much film work, yeah. For sure. So I, I filmed everything we did. Um, and then I listened to the way that he talked about the problems that he was having. And then I think it's really... I like All I did was just listen to everything that he said. And I said, how can I actually use his vocabulary to intertwine with the way I'm speaking for him to make connections. Cause everyone makes connections a little bit different ways. Like I can't do my job if I don't understand how you either fix and come to conclusions. So I think that was a really big turning point in my career. Uh, when it comes to, yeah, so that was probably one of the biggest turning points in my career. That's awesome. Hey, Legends, quick little break in the podcast here because I'm back with another sick giveaway. So I've teamed up with Kamikaze Energy, which I've got all the cans are just in front of me here, for a $500 worth of product from them, and it's super, super easy to enter. So 
All you have to be doing is tuning on into Fat Chat, obviously, and I'm going to be putting out a post next Friday, and you just need to follow both Body Magic and Kamikaze Energy and tag your mates in that post. The more tags that you do, the more entries that you're going to get into winning this amazing prize. I've got all the flavors in front of me. The best thing, I've got the yellow one here. Best thing I love about the Kamikaze Energy drinks is the, the, the names of the flavors. So I've got the yellow one. It is called, what's this one called? Slushy Madness. Sounds sick. Let's give it a crack. Nice, that's solid. So, great thing about Kamikaze Energy drinks is it gives you that little caffeine hit without giving you the crash. Tastes bloody amazing, and it's super easy to get yourself an entry into $500 worth of product from them. Follow me, follow Kamikaze, get tagging your mates in that post, and uh, yeah, good luck. We'll be drawing it on November 8th. So, going back to your coaches, you said Andrew Gaze, Ainsley, all these great names that you got to work with for your junior days. Was there any like real good lessons or sessions or anything like that that they used to do uh, with you? Or bits of advice? Warwick Giddy, who's Josh Giddy's dad, yep. was um, Andrew was a re- is a really really good coach, really system system based, and that was like awesome because I was I was learning um, where to be on the court, spacing some really important stuff. But there was times I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Just really like, I don't know if I was slow, but I was, was not figuring it he out. He knew what was going on in his head. He yeah. knew exactly what was going on, but I did not. So, um, but there was a few times where Warwick would like pull me over and sort of tell me where I needed to be. And it just, it um, connected with me. So I think that was probably one of the first times I, I started to understand the, the benefit of like communicating with different ways to different athletes. So I, and so it was, it was, it was awesome. Um, and mind you, Andrew was excellent. Uh, and there was times where intensity was awesome. So definitely not criticizing by any, 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 any realm, but I, uh, I was, I was thankful that there was, I guess, two people there at the time. And I just sort of like learned how to, I don't know. I think there was a I think benefit. you just click with, you know, different coaches uh, for, for sure. any any athlete or anyone working for any job. You know, when you've got someone that you're working with or sort of giving you critiques, you click with other people and then you don't click with other ones. So Yeah, Andrew was great, but but that was I think that was really interesting how about how um, certain coaches can have different um, impact on different athletes at different times. So not always like I, even myself, like I coach a um, a McKinnon team and they're, they're a part of the junior program and there's times where I might be saying something and then my assistant coach says it and he just does it way better than I do. I'm thinking, bugger. Yeah. <laughs> because they would just be, I'm just not seeing something at the time or whatever it may be. Uh, and I think different voices at different times are really important. And then your first actual coaching role, so you said that you got into um, you know your private coaching sessions mm. pretty early on. Did you coach any junior teams? You, you must have at some point. So I started and in... mentioned McKinnon, obviously, just Yeah, did, did some stuff with McKinnon. Um, they've been great. But I... Tubber Murphy, who was uh, running a academy in the morning, um, and Andre Solomons, and they were both really good coaches, um, but they were running an academy in the morning out towards that way, and they needed some an extra coach in the morning, and they asked me, and I, I jumped for the chance. And, um, and then eventually Tiber, who was awesome, ended up moving up to the Gold Coast, Wonderful physio, by the way. Yep. And I sort of took over the, the coaching the mornings there. So I, I actually started in private by accident. Uh, and I loved it so much that I eventually did like under-20s at McKinnon because I needed needed coaches and that was great fun. Then I did 
uh, 16s and I love that and I did a little bit younger now and it's been, been awesome. So kind of did a little bit backwards, but as much as I was done the McKinnon stuff in my private coaching, I've, I've always done like a whole lot of semi-professional athletes. Yep. Uh, that's how I started. So I started with a bunch of, bunch of semi-pros work them at the start just purely for free just to learn uh so i've done that since i started so since i was 17 i did a whole lot of um semi-professional athletes being in the gym half of i guess the way that i think that a lot of coaches learn is by learning from your athletes so as much as it's me coaching it's also me asking them questions what do they see what are they seeing on the floor only certain things that you can grasp from from older athletes yep every every try and time i train a new nbl player i always learn something and I always relay that message on either to the youth or for, for other up-and-coming NBA athletes. So I did a lot. I did a fair bit of semi-pro stuff. I met Ben Air when uh, probably three to three to four years ago uh, when he was playing at Knox, and he was playing. He was a starting point guard. wasn't scoring a whole lot, but he was a he was a starting point guard. Still was quite a good player. But then COVID hit, and me and Ben trained. Damn near Smashing every day, yeah, damn near every day all through COVID until he left to, to go to Cannes. So, uh, and that was awesome because he just, he started shooting really well. His handle was getting off the charge. It was just, I love that because uh, at the time he was the, he was the best player um, that I'd ever coached. But I, the exact that same point where I just learned so much from him. Uh, and there was like little things about, I couldn't remember the NBL player, but when he would he would guard athletes full court and he would count how many bounces it took for the athlete to cross half court at the start of the game. Yeah, right. And by the end of the game, he'd know if he's wearing them out because they're taking more bounces to cross half court. Wow, that's cool. And so there's little lessons like that where it's like, I probably told Little things that you didn't, you know, that you personally hadn't um, worked out yet, but then hearing from their experience, like, oh, wow, that's that's a great little nugget. For sure. And so I took that and I've told that to every one of my point guards. And now I get all my guards to guard full court and really like, work on being really good defenders so little things like that um that's awesome so john i'm super excited to uh talk everything performance related with you you've sort of touched on lots of great you know moments in that uh, little bit that we just did then but i want to know about specific examples mm-hmm. of uh, the athletes that you've worked with so ruben tarangi is uh is one of your main clients and also ben air yeah um who are both stars in the NBL. Mm-hmm. Um, are they? They're both at Southeast now. Home. Both at Southeast. Yeah, because Ben's just now. Ben's just moved. I've got Ben on in a couple of days' time, so I'm yeah, keen brilliant. to yeah, keen keen to hear all of his stuff. But can you take us into how that came about? You training both of them, how they first got into contact with you, and what your actual sessions in terms of reps were looking like, what the skills were that they were wanting to uh, work on, all that sort of thing. For sure, I'll start with um, start with Ben. So Great. Ben. Ben. And just a backstory for Ben Air, he's had probably the most improved uh, NBL season out of what well, I would say he is the most improved uh, NBL player from last year. Um, sure. And he was up at Cairns, or you, I'm sure you're going to, but he was in Cairns and then he's blown his career up and go. He's gone. <laughs> uh, so Ben got in contact with me um, when he was playing at Knox and eventually we started working together. COVID hit because I've got a facility, um, I could still train professional athletes. Uh, only very few, but he was the one professional athlete that I trained in my facility. So we were there every day. Um, ben, probably to this day, hardest worker I've ever trained. Day dot. Yep. Uh, you don't you don't necessarily need to work as hard as um, he did 
in regards to like I think you can still get quite good results. But are the, you talking like when he was actually at your sessions or the amount of volume that he was the doing? Vo- the volume or? was really high, so he did a whole lot of volume. We really didn't have much else to do anyway, so yep. it was the the volume was basically twice a day. But Ben would be drenched in workouts. Mm. Well, I have to have a bloody towel just to wipe his sweat off the court half the time. But the level of intensity was remarkable. Uh, he's want to learn was also incredible so it wasn't that he just trained because he thought he had to train he trained because he um the desire to get better was extreme yep so his intensity was unmatched to this day um every drill he did he did he used to talk a lot about everything must be game paced which i believe in i just think every every doesn't matter if it's a free throw the focus is there doesn't matter if it's a lab the focus is there yep just him in a gym 100%, 100%, no doubt about it. Um, so that was that was awesome. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty obsessive. So like I watched every part of his film, everything. Ben was a bit of a different cat because because we weren't we were still trying to make it to the NBL like properly at the time. We worked on a we didn't really have like a we didn't really have necessarily a game plan. It was more like just go John and just go take it because. Um, anything you want to work on, we'll work on it. Because most guys, like otherwise, like Ruben, I'm going to have other like feedback. I'm yeah. sure of oh, we need you to play this, this spot or work on Absolutely. this and that sort of thing. Yeah. Or it would be, hey, this is our numbers from last year, so it was a little bit different. This is the problems we're seeing. So it was more, it was awesome because we worked a lot on really nerdy performance stuff. We worked on getting his shot percentage really, really high in training. And so let's just say that he got to the point where he was making 90 plus out of 100. I wouldn't measure how many of his 90 out of 100 were good makes. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, like, are they off his hands the right way? Is he using his legs the right way every single time he shoots? And then how many shots is he missing, or sorry, making, that that maybe a back rim or he's forcing it or he's thumb thinking like crazy? And how can we decrease the amount of um, even makes, to high-quality makes, because in, in general that actually increases your, let's say it's 90 out of 100 to 95 out of 100, and you can still miss, few, like, you're going to miss a few shots. Yep. Uh, but that was really interesting. We did a whole lot of. Uh, whenever I coach, I'm really big on understanding the court spacing. Make it very much game like. Otherwise, there's no point. Like I'm never going to start doing thousands and thousands of codes. I was going to say. So or, how are you trying to? How do you actually imitate the intensity? Like what are you doing in terms of those reps? Is it the speed of the reps or how many reps? Or intensity. Intensity probably depends um, because there's times we have to be slow. Like Ben's quite fast, so there's a. Uh, learning how to play with speed is also different. So I always talk about being purposefully fast or purposely slow. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be slow, be get to your slow point quickly and either freeze there and keep playing. Uh, but when I talk about game reps, it'd be more like um, if there's a half-court basketball, we can't do a drill and not take into account where... For those that don't know, there's like split line and help are like different positions on um, a court for the defensive team. Yep. So like... Even if I might be guarding someone else, I'll also be in a help position to help if the drive does come. So I don't know if that clarifies, but there's often, because it's a team game, there is team defensive principles. And it's my job that if we are doing drills, what so are the... take that into account, yes. not just going, this is a big open court, do, whatever, do whatever you want kind yeah. of thing. Yep. So you'll often find people on the internet or doing drills, they'll do a whole bunch of like cone drills or they'll do actions that... If you watch basketball, it just don't make sense. Yep. So I think everything needs to have a major application value to um, it. M- makes a lot of sense, that. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, if you're working in this amount of space, why would you 
want to increase that by For having sure. a cone, you know, two times the length of where it's actually going to be if you're needing to work in, in a small space with other defenders and stuff. It makes Absolutely. a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so Ben was in general, worked really heavy on, heavily on photos, worked a lot of it on screens, getting a super point percentage up. Ruben Tarangi was a little bit different. Um, I trained a bunch of the development players for Phoenix uh, and Ruben knew Ben because Ruben was with Ben at Knox. Yep. Um, in the professional sporting world, it's it's pretty much all word of mouth because for sure. social media doesn't really mean much when it comes to um, professional clientele. It's These are assets to teams that are work worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's not because they look good on social media. Yep, for sure. In my opinion. Well, it's uh, it's very much the same how I've started working with the AFL athletes, the NBL guys that I've got, other sports as well. It's all just been, you know, a bit of a word of mouth thing. So um, very much the same. You, have, you had one guy in that came and did really well. You worked really hard with them and there was proven results. And then they go, what the fuck was Ben doing last season mm. for me? What the, what the hell was Luke Jackson doing last season? And then, you know, it just sort of flows on from that. For sure. So with Ruben... Uh, Ruben came to me and he's like, hey, I want to learn how to use his body. Because Ruben's... Ruben's Big fella. Massive. Mm. Six, six foot five at least. Really, like, remarkably strong. I haven't... Remarkably strong as an, a really active uh, wing athlete. Uh, in previous seasons, he shot the ball really, really well. So I wanted to get his percentage from three up a little bit. I, I taught... We worked a lot on driving angles, which, which sounds sounds funny but the way that you beat your offensive player if you take a wider line what happens is your man has more of an ability to either get back in front or push you off your line yep now there's a few reasons why this is really important if you beat your man i always when i talk to kids i always say imagine you got your football over on your school is it faster to run from goal to goal straight through or around and it's faster to run straight through. Yep. So we basically want to have the fastest line to the ring. And what happens with this is that you basically demand your help defense. So that team defense we talk about, they either need to overcommit and you can make passes to the man that they're leaving or they stay and you have either a wide open shoulder or a float, uh, sorry, a wide open floater or a, or a jump shot or whatever it may be or a layup, but it's, if you can have really good driving angles, your passing automatically gets better. Yep. Uh, your ability to shoot more shots gets better because your defense didn't take a slight step off you. Um, but there's just, we worked in his angles. So he's really strong, but he was almost making his life extremely challenging because his angles were really wide. wide. Yep. Yeah. And it's really easy to do, but it's um, probably one of the most unutilized aspects of basketball. You get good driving angles, you will go pretty far. You don't need to have all this fancy nonsense if you can jab step and drive straight so we worked on having a quite a wide base um but so particularly Gotti's shooting percentage up he's playing actually in the new zealand league right now like a new zealand nbl um it's like it's like the off season there's an australian league that's the off season there's also a new zealand comp which is really good and so he's playing in that now and he's shooting roughly 45 percent from three which is Anyone that knows basketball, that's really high. Yep. So I think he's third leading in that, third or fourth right now, which is incredible. Which is great, yeah. And it's just yeah. on the back of all the actual reps and yeah. sessions you've been putting in. So like in a session for, um, you know, Ben or, or Ruben, you've mentioned the intensity and sort of the types of stuff that you're going to do. How many actual reps are you putting up? Like you said, like you did your 500 reps in the in the backyard for your, for your layups. Are you Is that how you program it or is it off time or what do you kind of do? It's a little bit different. So I don't necessarily refer to myself 
as just a coach. Like I'm not here putting you through a workout. I'm here to primarily educate. So if it's something where it's a new program or a new concept we're working on, uh, I would I have to be a teacher in that in that um, moment. So there is times where we do more theory than we actually do reps mm-hmm. because I think anyone can go to a court and get thousands of shots up and nothing gets better. Yep. So, and the, I think one thing that might separate me and my industry is I I don't feel nervous when I make certain changes to athletes' performance because all I ever do, let's say it's shooting mechanics, I lean into more of what they do well and I lean away from what they do badly. Mm-hmm. So if someone's got 30 years of muscle memory, I can't change their form. Yep. I just can't. But there is this, if they are shooting the ball at a decent percentage, why can't we do more of that? Mm-hmm. So the reason why I've, I think I've had quite good results with a variety of NBL um, players is that I'm not ever making them feel wildly uncomfortable because I'm not changing what they already do. I've watched... I've got a book that has notes on every player in the NBL currently. I've got tape on every single one of them. Basically, one, either if my players play against them, I know how I would play against them. Yep. Two, um, if I actually wanted... If they want to do a session with me... You've already got a little I've bit I've already of stuff. got a stuff written down for them. And yep. so it's... It's, I think it's really good to understand that everyone shoots maybe a little bit differently, but then how can we lean into the high-quality aspects of your shot? Yep. And how can we lean away from the stuff that you don't do? Yep. Like there's a reason why you've still made, even if it's 50 out of 100, there's still a reason why you've made that 50. It's actually interesting. Some of the guys that I've already chatted to on this um, you know, trip for doing all this pod were actually talking about that, that almost double down on your strength sometimes. Sometimes mm. you don't need to you know, change anything too bad. And like obviously you, you want to make your weaknesses stronger, but sometimes if you like really just hone on in and just make sure that whatever you're doing good is getting better and improving that's almost you know better sometimes for sure so i think it's definitely a blend of doing theory and reps yeah um, game reps which just it's a variety like uh and it depends how you block your sessions like with ruben and ben like ruben it was like we're going to try and we're going to try and so we're doing like five days a week for a couple of months uh, and he's got the world cup coming up as well for mm-hmm. the um tall bucks which would be awesome uh, so I guess that he was really committed. So you can't just do one session and think you're automatically going to get better. Yep. It does take work. And consistency. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So five days a week and the way that we structured that was we had like theory days and then we'd have like, which would typically be after like a lot of volume. Uh, and then we'd have days where it's a little bit of everything, which might be ball handling, finishing floaters. Um, but we would just focus, I would just basically do a percentage of things that are most vital, I guess, for them and just balance it depending on which. Definitely. And another massive part of uh, getting the most out of any skill coaching professional level sport, um, is, um, the like sports psych behind it as well and mentality and confidence and all that sort of thing. So do you guys work, do you work on that together as well? And if you do, what are some of the things that you get up to and, or some of the techniques that you like to use? I'm talking like, you know, say if, no. if they haven't like hit, you know, to, uh, they've missed their last five shots and how you actually think about that in a game or how you think about okay. that in training. I, I, there's, it's funny you say that because I'm, I almost think my job is more psychology than it is actually coaching. Mm-hmm. And so if I went back to, went to uni, I would think I would do psychology because I think it's one of the, it's probably damn near the most important thing when it comes to professional athletes because they're professional athletes for a reason and how can we actually maximise their performance? So I'm, I won't give away all the secrets, but one thing that I'm uh, prioritise is 
I'm really big on process. So I think it's really easy to get emotional. You've got a live, live game, you're playing for contracts, you're playing, there's a whole lot of factors that are really important. So I'm really big on process. So what that means is I'm not just going to shoot until we make a thousand. I'm going to teach my athlete, how do you shoot? And if something's going wrong, can you fix it? So if you're at a training that I'm not at, or if you're in a game and you miss one shot, can you identify what's going wrong? Instead of thinking, shit, think, okay, how can I actually fix that? Yep. And once they can fix that, they're in complete control. It doesn't become an emotional game. It becomes, I'm in complete control of my actions and I can, I can always change this and I don't, I don't have the need to get upset. Yep. I think there actually is a place for being intense and driven and focused. Uh, but I think it's good to use that certain ways. I think that's great because like, even with my personal training clients that I work with, it's the same thing. So whether you're working on somebody's diet or a skills for basketball, whatever, whatever it might be, it's actually more equipped in them with the skills and, and the knowledge to be able to work out, oh, if something did go wrong, how you actually fix that yourself. And like you said, not getting emotional about it. And it's just more about, all right, how do we get back on to, you know, where I was or how do I, you know, get back on to um, following the diet or doing the exercise or hitting the shot or whatever it may be. And then I think it also comes back to the coach in particular to, to want to understand the answers. Yep. So I, I, I've never told anyone that I know everything, but if someone has an issue, I will make it my job to find it mm-hmm. and find the answer for it. Sorry. And so if I can't get a result, that is on me. And if they're having a consistent issue of confidence or not being consistent, even though they're having an issue, that is my, I have to take self accountability to get those results. Yep. And even though they're the athlete, there's a, there's a reason why this thing has still been coming up and there hasn't been a solution yet. So I think that because I've been quite thankful um, to coach a bunch of professional women, professional male athletes, I think process is one of the things that are standing out the, stood out the most, sorry, because yep. uh, I think it's something that most athletes that um, when they do get out of order, it's been the easiest thing to fix. Yep. And it becomes more of a more of a okay, instead of getting shitty, we actually have the answers. Yeah, for sure. And then, like, that's, you know, great, awesome to hear all that process. I think that, you know, lots of people want to take a lot away from that. So now going actually personally onto you in Mm. terms of, you're such a high level performer, you're 22, you're building this great, you know, brand and business, you're working with all these pro athletes, you know, you're going to go places. Um, What are you actually doing in terms of your daily habits that you're making sure that you're on top of your your game? So like I found that everything from literally when I wake up to what breakfast I have to how long it takes me to get ready to go to the gym, um, what I post on socials, all this sort of stuff. I'm pretty habitual with it all. Um, So I'm really keen to know what are you actually getting up to? I... For many years, I'm, I'm very routine-based. Yep. And I think that's excellent, but I think that I also have to be adaptable to my environments. Like this week, I'm, I'm training an NBL player, and he said, uh, I've, I've got, I've got um, commitments in my, during my day, so I have to train. If I'm going to train, I have to start training at 4.30. I am, and I actually usually go to bed roughly 1 a.m. in the morning, so I've had to change the way 1am holy fuck man what are you doing up until 1am watching film watching, watching film yeah so i it's like <laughs> it's my intense. yeah so my but for in in to answer the question i'm really big i write everything down uh so even though i'm i'm quite dyslexic i like to have a plan 
and then I just basically have my uh, book, have all your sessions planned, and know how long you need to get there. I, I track everything. Like I'm a serious planner. Like if it's if it's if it's bills, if it's um, food, if it's uh, sessions, court hire, phone calls, meetings, everything. Like for today, I'm coaching at least probably nine hours today, but I've got two calls and I've got four meetings and uh, there's just things I've got to try and fit in. And I also want to lift if I can. So there's just a, there's a variety, there's so much on, but I think if you actually can write it down and plan your way through it, I think it's really easy. Most definitely. I've, I've been learning a lot about uh, recently the thought of just taking action rather than thinking about things as well. I think it's, I think it's, I think a lot, like I'm, I'm often in my head when I'm driving. Which is kind of like this now. habit thing that I'm getting at. So it's like, you know, that's you go, okay, cool, well, I'm just going to go do the action of whether it's, you know, write your stuff down mm. or, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing for my food. Oh yeah, I'm going to the gym and I'm lifting and all that sort of thing. So that's literally you just making a habit so you don't even have to think about it. So it's just like yeah. making sure it's just action, action, action the whole time rather than going, oh, what am I actually doing? And oh, thinking about it too much. I think it's, I also am really big on... We control how we feel, and everything that we do in life, I'm really big. It's complete self accountability. So, and we're in complete in control of the way that we feel and act. Yep. I know it sounds interesting, but I think if we tell ourselves we're out of control, you're going to end up being quite out of control. But if we, I'm not saying that means you don't don't get stressed or things can't bother you. But I'm 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 probably more so meaning if if I have a problem, I can either talk about this. Or I can find a plan, and how can I make a plan? How can I fix this? Because then you're not going to get well. Personally, I don't get stressed if I know the solution to a problem I'm trying to fix. And if I do have a problem, like what? Well, how can I? What are the steps to fix it? So I guess that it's uh, how can I? How can I control my emotions? Even if it's times to teaching lessons, like when I'm coaching certain athletes, there are times where even if I'm in a great mood, I need to appear intense to yep. get to gain certain results so i think we're completely in control of the way we feel and act like this morning i didn't want to get up at 3:55 a.m but i did it yep just got to do it yeah just i think we're in complete control of ourselves yeah for sure um and um in terms of like if there was like a young basketball athlete watching listening to this podcast right now if there's like just one or two bits i know i know it's high because like people ask me oh what's what's one bit of advice but if there's something that you go okay this is the most important thing that i learned early on that improved my game helped me improve my skills what is one lesson that someone could take away from listening uh, listening to this I, I could, I could just. There's so much. I could like just I say said, practice, such a, yeah. but I would f- but focus on enjoying it. Yep. Because if you don't love it, you won't go far. Yep. And there is so much joy to this game of basketball that if you find the love in playing, and you play it a lot, practice will come anyway. And there's just so many ways to enjoy it. So I think just do try and find the love in it. Otherwise it's, it's hard on the mental. Yeah, absolutely. So your personal goals now, you've got this massive social media following. If anybody hasn't seen it, you have to go check out uh, your socials. What are your social handles? Uh, Jono.Hansford. Uh, on I don't know what my TikTok is. My Instagram's done under John. You'll find you'll you'll find it. Just just yeah. get on there. I'll tag them all on these. They're they're so good. The clips. I can see why everybody is so engaging and loving them so much because you know it's just really interesting. All the tips that you give. Um, and do you have like um, what, what what's your goals? What's your next little thing that Thank you're you. wanting to work on? Where where do you want to get to? I appreciate that. Uh, social media was such a fluke for me. 
not to sound like a dickhead about it, but I didn't mean to. I just posted. Um, crazy. So crazy. I just, I film everything I do with athletes anyway. So all I started doing was I posted. Um, I think that's why it works is because it's actually so organic and so natural how you're talking. So mm. it's just like, you're just giving a tip. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like, you know, you're, you're not looking at the camera, telling the camera, this is how you do it. You're just telling someone, coaching them. Yeah, I'm not saying here's tip. three combos to work on. No, I'm not really doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think yeah. it's more, uh, I don't actually have time to do that anyway. I can't mm. sit in front of the camera and say, um, here are tips to do this and this. I only have time to coach. So if my thing is coaching, I just feel myself in doing it. But I guess that I'm thankful to have the community that I do have and I will continue to try and post for them uh, you must be fully booked with all your stuff as well yeah like that being said there's nothing if I got if I got told not to post and just coach I would happily just I would coach professionally for the rest of my life and not particularly mind about social media so I wouldn't necessarily say um, I wouldn't say that it isn't a really good tool so I'm really thankful to have it because it's I think it's almost like showing what you believe in and how you how you coach consistently. So I like the it's almost like an online resume at times. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I think that's been awesome. Um, I love getting all the messages from people that talk about their progress, and if I got a second to help them, I will. Uh, my plan for the future is to continue to train professional athletes. Yeah, great. And do more and more. It just fulfills me. Like Absolutely. I just, I just, I don't. It is the thing that gives them the most value in life. Is That's just great. Seeing others do really well, and hopefully, I can play a small role in that. That's awesome, man. It's so satisfying when you you know sit back watching a game. And you go, oh yeah, like you just see them doing what well. feels like you know feel really part of it. It's awesome. When when Ben had his, he had he played Melbourne United back in Melbourne. It was first game back in Melbourne, and it was the first year he was a training player. And actually, a few guys got injured, and he got to got to jump in and played and I'm driving back from Adelaide from this tournament I was trying to get there in time for the game but I wasn't able to make it and it's bucketing down with rain and I'm listening to the radio and Ben's killing it so he's basically scored 20 points 20 assists wow. sorry 10 assists sorry and him and Bryce Cotton I think were the only players that whole season that had done it so I'm thinking I'm like screaming in my car Going, yes. as I'm driving <laughs> and it's torrential rain I think it's like it's it's nine o'clock or something, but it, it's pitch black outside. Like I'm driving back from from Adelaide, and I'm and I uh, I'd probably never one of the very few times I guess where I could say that definitely happiest one of the happiest moments of my life is just like hearing him just kill it. That's awesome. Like because I was there when we had doing all the early doing sessions, all the doing early all sessions, the reps and, and and it's not easy and it's hard work. And you and Ben was. I think 26 when I was 25 or so when I met him. So it was like, uh, I was just so incredibly proud, but I wouldn't have, even when I've done, I guess stuff you could say on paper successful, I haven't felt that happiness. I've enjoyed it. And I'm thankful for the process, but it's not the same level of joy. You got yeah. Sitting in your rainy car. Absolutely. Under that. <laughs> it's torrentially raining. I'm trying to like drive to stay alive and it's, um, but I've never felt as much fulfillment, I guess. That's awesome. And uh, who are you looking forward to watching most in uh, NBL this year? Is there any teams? Is there any individual players that you're like, oh, obviously the guys that you train, Ben and Ruben, but is there anyone else that uh, is a bit of a favourite of yours? You Some of the wait? girls I really enjoy training. Yeah. Uh, so there's two younger girls, one Gemma Potter and um, and a girl called Dallas that plays for uh, the Flyers. They're, they're both coming back from ACL injuries. 
uh, tremendously hard workers and young getting after it, I think they're going to have such a great career and I'm excited to see the way their journey unfolds. That's awesome. So that's been awesome. That's and I've, I've only recently been doing more WNBL athletes. Uh, typically I train more males. So I've, I've been, I do train females, but it's probably more of like a 80, 20 split. Um, so I've been loving and training, uh, these like up and coming junior athletes. And that's been, that's been a really awesome learning experience for me. Absolutely. If anything, I coach them better than I do. <laughs> I just, I don't know if it's just that I, I think the, I love, um, it's also like what, what the person is like, you know, vibing with you as well. So like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's just that, you know, they're so eager to learn and, uh, you know, get better. They're just so both so motivated. So driven as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like they've got extra motivation. Haven't, haven't didn't play last year because of their, their injury. And so, because they did both, they both did ACL injuries like the same day, basically. So, um, that's been awesome because they've almost missed out on all this basketball and they're playing all this basketball. So it's, it's just awesome to see their uh, development. That's great, man. So how does anybody get in contact with you if you're wanting, you know, coaching sessions, advice, checking out your stuff? Have you got a website? Give yourself a bit of a plug. Go. Uh, currently you can't. <laughs> how do they join the wait list then? <laughs> uh, eventually the wait list will be posted on my Instagram at jono.hansford. Um, but fingers crossed but i can't promise anything because i might not be taking clients great man well it's so great to hear that it's all going so amazing for you i can't wait to um watch and see where all your career goes watch all you guys play this year um and um, i have to come down to the court and uh, have, have a bit of a shoot around and drive around you can teach me a few yeah, things we'll figure it out for sure absolutely thanks so much bro and that's another episode of Fat Chat by Body Magic all wrapped up. Jono, thank you so much for coming on down. That was such an excellent episode. And, um, you know, me obviously being a coach as well, I took a lot away from that uh, with some of the teachings uh, and the lessons that you've taught me all the way through that one. So thank you so much. Uh, to check out more of Jono's stuff, head on over to our social media. You'll see a post uh, that I put up there. I'll make sure I tag all his accounts. He does some amazing work. So make sure you do follow him and um, check out all the great work that he does with all the athletes. Uh, as always, if you haven't already, make sure you follow subscribe to any uh sorry bro yep if you haven't already make sure you follow subscribe or like any of the fat chat podcast episodes that you've been listening to goes a long way into making the show bigger and better making the production even bigger bigger guests all of it and i'd really appreciate it Uh, but as always love your work guys and i'll see you next week planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.